But for you to actually hand you material stuff, if you didn't make yourself a better human being, you will not use it to better yourself. Hmm. Use it to gain more because that's where we're getting confused. Is gaining more mean better? Is having more mean better? Hello and welcome to Why Are We Talking About Rabbits? That's me doing the music. Yes, this is a podcast aimed at folks who feel a little bit of dislocation in 2020. On this pod, we talk about heavy things lightly. Theology, history, philosophy, deeply immersive years spent in foreign cultures. That's our mojo. We try to figure out using these things, how'd we get here? So come with us beyond rhetorical rabbits given to you by these giant media companies and let's look at contemporary culture with a sense of, how should we say, perspective, old and new. Join me, John Hears, join First Things, and today come and join Joe O, a resident African philosopher, a teacher, an author. He's going to join us from Sweden as we try to figure out what are they doing, what are we doing, and why are we talking about rabbits? This is episode 23. This is Sweden Security and Joe O. So, Joe, what's up, man? Not much, brother. Not much. Life is up. Having you on here is like a joy. So, this is Joe O, also known as Joe Obadegu. How'd yes. I do? Yeah, very well. <laughs> <laughs> this is an old friend of mine, but also a brilliant guy. Joe was born and raised in southeastern Nigeria, uh, born in 1967. So, we're pretty much the same age. Uh, he moved to the United States at age 17 on a tennis scholarship, studied economics and agricultural economics in graduate and postgraduate schools at Franklin Pierce University and Virginia Tech. And then, Joe, you moved to Sweden in 2012 yes. to teach philosophy in a class you call active thinking. Yes. Is that right? Yes. At a private school uh, outside of Stockholm in Sweden. So uh, Joe's an author. He wrote the book, Finding Your Way to Heaven Without a Smartphone. Joe, like we should do that, all of us. That'd be a good thing if that happened. Actually, and you I, forgot run... to mention, yeah, I forgot to mention a second book. My bad. Yeah, <laughs> that's so Joe. Yeah, it's so in like... Swedish. It came out in Swedish. Uh, that's why I didn't mention it. It did. all from knowledge, from knowledge to wisdom. From knowledge to wisdom. Yeah. Yes. And it's out in Sweden. Swedish, yes. So, but we'll translate that to English. And that's this actually why. This will all be in the pod notes. We'll make okay. sure people can click on it. Um, the first book was called Healing of a Nation, yeah? Oh, no, sorry. That's your, that's your uh, YouTube channel. YouTube channel, yes. Healing of a Nation. And uh, that's where you guys dig around for reasonable answers to life's questions, utilizing the higher ground of reason. Yes. So that's perfect because, you know, our podcast is about the enlightenment and how it changed people and the way they think. And as you and I always talk about, 
reason is a part of our being that maybe got elevated in, well, it didn't maybe in, in unique ways with the enlightenment. So you're a good person. I actually couldn't pick a better person to sit here and talk about old world, new world stuff. Not well, because of what you have to say, but also like your being <laughs> like you're, you're like walking around billboard for every aspect of new world, old world stuff. Right. Cause you're, yes. it's crazy. Okay, yeah. So, so let's do this. Paint a picture of where you are right now for people listening to this pod. Like, where are you? Where are you sitting right now? Right now I'm sitting in uh, an apartment in the suburb of Stockholm. And there's snowing outside, you know, between <laughs> snow and that. Yeah, <laughs> you just imagine. And it's about, you know, it's past 6 p.m., but it's, it's been dark. dark. Yeah, it's been dark for the last three hours. So it's, <laughs> oh, Lord. It's been dark since 3 p.m., so that's what we get for oh my fall into winter, yeah. Joe um, is wearing a knit cap in I know. House. I forget. I know. Just trying to stay warm. <laughs> yeah, I was born and raised in Africa. Don't forget that part, right? So I don't have the Viking blood yet. You so, do not have the Viking blood. <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> Probably never. But <laughs> so what? What? What happens when it gets dark? Do Do Swedes change the way they operate? Are they? Absolutely. What happens? Everything changes. Everything changes. It doesn't even feel like the same planet, right? When you compare the spring and the summer days to the late fall and winter days, night, I mean, you don't even, it's, you cannot compare. Everything changes. The mood changes. The people changes. Everything changes. What even about you? Recognize your environment. Yeah. Do you change? Can you feel yourself? You're, you like the sun, right? I love the sun. I was born in the sun. Yeah. I was born and made for the sun. So actually, this is a, uh, a great challenge and a learning experience for me because you can speak about this until you live it. You have no idea because I've never seen such a difference, such a contrast. I mean, they're not reconcilable. We cannot reconcile the springtime and the summertime to this time. And how the people change, but also... I've been a person that prided my whole life on consistency and being stable on who I am being. A, and then when I found myself in a community where people change with the season and everything changes with the season. So it's, uh, it's a tough adjustment for me mm -hmm. as well uh, to find my stability when everybody, you know, things around me are switching and I'm not used to that. I'm used to being stable and being consistent. Wow. From time after time. So that's actually a very interesting challenge. Do you remember as a child growing up a change that was precipitated by weather or, or the seasons? Was it a rainy season to dry season for you guys? Yes. Yes, there is. But that's it's not different. much of a change in the mood. Yeah. Right. In Africa, no, the mood doesn't change. It doesn't swing like this. But uh, here, the swing is quite ginormous. You know, yeah. <laughs> the huge swing. <laughs> yeah. 
is that part and it's of not that? a secret. Everybody knows that. Everybody yeah, knows it. it. That was my next oh, question. Oh, it's not a is secret. It? Yeah, you know, like, yeah, everybody knows that. Wow. And is that, you know, one of the stereotypes of Swedes is they're not depressed. They're not sad, but there is depression there. Is that real or not real? It's real. It's every bit real. Wow. Yeah, every bit real. And one of the things that I found interesting and I still struggle with, I say, okay, if we have known this and this happens every year, why don't the culture change to help everybody? Right. In the winter time, let's become more outgoing. Let's go meet the neighbor, you know, because we know this is coming. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in, in, in Africa, you know, in Igbo proverb, there is a bird that makes a lot of noise called Oboko. They eat insects. They like to eat insects. And they say, any insect that got eaten by this bird, because this bird makes a lot of noise when it's coming, it's your <laughs> fault. Yeah, because you like, yeah, the one. <laughs> so if I speak in my language, it might not make sense, but I'll say it. They say, So basically what he's saying is, if you get eaten by this bird, it's your fault because you just make a lot of noise they, when it's coming. Because so. they're stumbling, they're loud and bumbling, and you exactly. still stood there. So you have time to run. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or if I may put it in a more modern way, they say that if there's a war that is predictable, even the lame person could get away because you have time to start moving. Mm. So I still, as a Swedes, everybody knows this. Why do you still fall for this depression time in the I mean, do you just want to let it happen? You know, why don't we just adjust the culture a little bit and just say, okay, well, let's start meeting each other. We're knowing this is going to come. But nobody wants to change it. That's something I'm interested in finding out why. Do you think some of the identity of the Swedish people is in their willingness to suffer the depression? It, it, it sounds like it might well be. Kind of but nutty. I have not really explored it, so I cannot give a definite answer because I have not pursued it and asked sure. questions. But it sounds like it might well be because what we're saying, John, is that everybody knew this was going to come. Right. Year in year, everybody would talk about it. It's gonna, like, well, we know it hasn't changed. It's not new phenomenon. Like, this is, but you just. So, you know, be. people on this pod want this for sure. They want to know what about COVID? So, in many people's minds, Sweden like did it differently. Yeah. Um, first of all, do you think they did, and how did it go, or how is it going? They they did do it differently because in the March, you know, they had the idea. There's something uh, about the Swedish culture which I learned. They take big pride in personal responsibility. Hmm. Right. So. I have to be able to trust me to take responsible, you know, to take the responsibility for myself on what I'm supposed to do. And if I say something that still exists, Johnny, there's a train station outside my apartment. It doesn't have any conductors. You go and you check yourself in. Mm. So nobody checks you. So they trust that you do it. Can you believe that? A whole train station, if I want to go into Stockholm, I go in, nobody checks me. I have to go and check myself in. All the way in. All the way way in. in. Nobody checks you. Wow. So they still trust that you do the right thing, that you go and swipe your card, and then you go. So nobody comes and asks you if you swiped or not. And of course, I know some people that don't swipe, some people don't check. So, But the system, they still believe that, that you're supposed to do the right thing. 
And uh, so that's why they say, okay, we have to allow people to be a part of the decision of their lives, not tell everybody we allow them to take the personal responsibility of uh, social distancing, Mm -hmm. if you're sick, stay home, stay away from people. So Swedes feel better that way. They don't like the idea of being micromanaged. Got it. Yeah. Wow. So, and, but also, and, let me go back. Now, why did it work? Now, this is theory, you know, because the reality of it is when it hits, the Swedish system has a quite a better healthcare system. People constantly go to the doctors because no matter what happens to you, the most you can spend in any illness, particular illness, $75. Wow. I have cancer. It doesn't matter what I've got, $75. That's all that's coming out of your pocket. No more. If you buy medicine, the medicine is much cheaper. Somebody can have a hip surgery for $17. So no matter what that is. So in the past, people have no problem going to the doctor. So people are healthier already. Uh You're looking at an already healthier population. So coming in, their immune system can fight this better, and they're not so much afraid that if you get COVID, I mean, you could become bankrupt, right? You can become homeless. That's not going to happen in Sweden. So it's easier for them to have the confidence, the wherewithal to say, okay, we take on this. Right. Yeah, that way. So, And so you think, so that explains in some ways that they did not quarantine the same way as the rest of Europe or even the United States. They didn't have mask laws, but not a lot of people died in part in your mind because they're healthier. Just start with. I, I totally agree. Because even when you look at the statistics, what happened when it first started, when it came in the, in the spring, the most death happened. Well, let me say, at least this is what I know. If most, it came into the country from the rich people that traveled to the Alps to go skiing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it gets even more interesting. <laughs> so when they came back, it started there, but most of them are healthy anyways, so they survived it. However, they have a lot of house cleaners, house helps, that are the poor people, the immigrants. And then what happened, the immigrants that helped in cleaning house somehow got it and went home to where a lot of the Immigrants live together with their families. And that started to break out because most of the immigrants live in a small apartment with their elderly elderly, uh, relatives and also their siblings that work in elderly homes because it's also the immigrants that work mainly at the elderly homes. So that's how we left from there and went into the elderly homes and killed a lot of elderly people. And from the statistics I read from North, uh, Karolinska Institute, it was a lot of the elderly people that were already, of course, on their way out, but they died sooner than six, nine months or a year. So that's what happened. And most of the death that happened, death that happened in Sweden was uh, in a, a lot of the immigrants. Got it. Area and the elderly population. Yeah. And that's because of the work scenario. That's how that, that, uh, that happened there. So, and of course, nobody saw that coming. So it wasn't intentional. It was unintentional. Nobody saw that. And that's, um, 
Yeah. But, but the deaths the in Sweden didn't spike in such proportion, disproportionate ways because no. of, of their lack of, um, how should we say, because of their insistence on personal responsibility. It didn't spike so differently than Finland, say. It's similar. No, but even Finland didn't, Finland didn't get much of it because nobody goes to Finland and Finland, Finnish don't travel. So, so, so Finland was different, yeah. And uh, no, Sweden, they, they did okay. Now, uh, this, of course, the results, people are getting more careful again because the cold season is here. People are staying indoors. And also, I think towards this tail end, people got a little bit more reckless again mm-hmm. because everybody just all of a sudden, nobody's more nobody's cautious because people are not dying as much i see so the infection rate is is going up but also we're not reporting on anybody dying because actually i know i know uh, i have some good friends that are british eight of them went out to restaurants and about four of them got sick but you know they go home five days later they're fine they find the back so, yeah. so do this for me real quick i'm sure you're still talking to folks in at home in Nigeria, what's their attitude? I just got back from Sierra Leone, so I want to hear, I have a feeling it's similar, but what's, what are your folks at home in Nigeria say about COVID? Yeah, of course, when it first came, everybody was afraid because nobody understood anything about this whole uh, virus. And I don't know if anybody still do at this point. And uh, so it was very scary, but the Reported deaths are mainly rich people that travel overseas. Oh. Right. So there were a few reported, but now that's really nobody reporting. Uh, uh, there are no known death from COVID-19 from even my brother that lives in Lagos. And then if you go from where I was born, I was born in the east, southeast. Mm-hmm. They don't even recognize that anymore. If you come there and you're wearing a mask, everybody will run away from you. You're like, what? You are the people with COVID, but within them, <laughs> yeah, nobody. Yeah. Same. They are, yeah, they actually doing, they're doing quite fine on their own. And, uh, and I saw, when this post came out, right, this is just my own personal opinion. Don't take it for anything, just for my personal opinion. Sure. I, growing up, I know we suffered malaria. My prediction was if you can survive malaria, with the poor health, you know what I mean, uh, facilities mm. and the health infrastructure we had, I think chances are you have a good chance of surviving COVID because malaria is quite, uh, malaria is uh, it's it's heavy stuff. Yeah. It's quite powerful. So um, in a way, I'm, I'm glad for Africa because they have enough problems already. Can you mm. imagine really if people all of a sudden just start yeah. killing over from COVID? I mean, that would be devastating. It would be devastating. Man, yes. Uh, we went to Sierra Leone and dropped off uh, Jake and Shane, two field workers there. After we we withdrew our folks there in, in March and went back. And you're just describing exactly. First, people in Sierra Leone were like, uh-oh. They saw nothing was happening, essentially nothing. And then, but the government says you have to wear masks coming from, you know, the World Health Organization. But everyone wears the mask around their chin. And then most everyone's saying, this is just not even our problem. Like, <laughs> why are we even doing this? That was the general attitude, you know, about 500 miles west in Sierra Leone from, from Nigeria. Interesting. So talk about this then. If I said to you old world, 
which is what mm-hmm. this pod is about. What does that conjure up for you? What is that to you? Is, is it even a thing? It doesn't have to be, you know, like, what does it mean to you if it means anything? Pretty high tech. Old Pretty high technology. Yeah, that's what I think. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Explain um, that. Um, it, it, I'm talking about this is the old world when the human being actually thought that the change came from the person and not from outside of you. That's how I see the old world. Uh, the old world for me, I'll give you a, a phrase. You want a better life, you become a better human being. Hmm. Now the new world is, I can have a better life without being a better human being. Something can give me a better life. I don't have to do it. That's what I see. Yes. Wow. So one is old. Wow. So the, the, the locus of change, the engine is inside in some sort of spiritual way. And for the new world, it comes from outside. Correct. Is that a good thing or a bad thing, that shift in thinking? I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I strongly believe you cannot have a better life without, you can't want a better life without wanting to be a better human being. Because I don't see how that can work. I mean, if you can explain it to me, explain how that can work. Now, you can have more, you can have different things. But does that mean a better life? That's in, I, I just virtually see it's impossible to have a better life without wanting to be a better human being. So a better life means, yeah. so I don't know, you tell me. So, it, so it's the way you're defining better. It has something to do, a lot of times, because we do a lot of history on this pod, a lot of times better there is defined in spiritual or non-material ways. Is that what you're getting at? you'll have a better life because it will be non-materially better or spiritually better or psychologically better? What, what's the better? How are you defining better? But better is in every way because here's what I mean. Now we have this incredible, incredible tool in technology. We're talking now, right now. You're in Sweden. Exactly. If you don't want to be a better human being, but I give you technology, you can only use it for, destruct, for destruction. So that's my point, right? So it could be material, it could be anything. But for you to, I can hand you material stuff. If you didn't make yourself a better human being, you will not use it to better yourself. Hmm. Use it to gain more because that's where we're getting confused. Is gaining more mean better? It's having more mean better, right? Mm-hmm. It's having a, because we're talking about substance and spectacle. I mean, you can increase the spectacle in your life, but there's no substance in it. So I think that's where we, we get lost a little bit in the modern way, where spectacular becomes more important than substance. Did you learn this? Where does this come from? I, I don't think anybody, anybody, if I find the people that do reject this, I just want to talk to them for a while. I, who are they that reject what you just said? Now, I think people will reject it. Uh, um, how should I say? Uh, as, as per um, the amount of 
uh, now, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, on a continuum, if we push your philosophy way to the hardcore, yeah, I need some stuff, Joe, to be happy. Mm-hmm. I think yes. you would agree with that. But what, what I'm trying to say is nobody would reject the core of what you're saying. And if, if they do, come on our pod because I want to talk to you because that would be really interesting to talk to that person. But where did you get that from as a person who's lived in Africa, America, Sweden, and lots of other places? Where do you think that wisdom is coming from for you? That's a good question, Johnny, because uh, growing up uh, in Africa, I was very lucky that I saw the last of the real Africa lifestyle before it got snuffed out. When I was born, luckily or unluckily, a civil war was starting in Nigeria, 67. So everybody had to leave the city and go back to the village. So my first experience of life was actually village when I got to know things. And the village at that time, when I mean village, there was no electricity, there was no running water. We lived in a hut. There was absolutely no modern technology. There's few people that had maybe, you know, you see a car go by, but people didn't own cars. Mm-hmm. And uh, you would see a few people that had transistor radio. Right. But if you take that out, we're talking about really village where everything was organic. So maybe it was a blessing that I saw a lifestyle like that for mm-hmm. some years till I was six, seven. And then we went back to the city after the war was over. But I will occasionally, you know, on the holidays, we come back to see my grandma. So I got to see it until now. The village has changed quite a bit. It's not the same anymore. It's different. Right. So I have, I feel lucky that I saw life in an organic setting like that. Then we live in the city in Nigeria at that time. Uh, so I also saw what the city looks like within Nigeria. And then I moved to Lagos and I saw a city and then I eventually moved to Europe, uh, America, and then Europe. So I got to see totally different settings of yeah. human existence. Yeah. But a lot of this came from when I, back in the, the true African existence, right? The core of it was actually based on life wisdom because otherwise you will not make it, right? Now, did people stick to it? No, of course, people betrayed it. That's why we have problems. And they've betrayed it in your lifetime, in your yes. perspective. Oh perspective. my goodness, did they ever, right? Even before my lifetime, they started to betray it. But well, some people held on strong to it. They still speak about it, right? but they didn't live it anymore. Is it gone from what you can, no, I just went, so weirdly, I also lived in the 90s in a mud hut in Mali, yeah. not far from where you were, and now go back. And I will say this, I haven't been to Mali recently, but in Sierra Leone, it's, it's what you're saying. It's very right. different now. Right. What, what, what replaced what? So you're described nicely the old world. What's replacing it in your mind? What is the, the new thing? Uh, well, the new thing is uh, the information age, right? We have the information age mm-hmm. where even when I go back to my village now, you know, there's the palm wine topper, the person that climbs to get the palm wine. No, that's a cell phone. <laughs> there's a cell phone on the internet, right? So, because people put in their orders, you know. <laughs> For the palm wine. 
Exactly. Yeah. So you know, the people tell people what palm wine is. Joe. Correct. What yeah. tell tell them what palm wine okay. is. You actually get this incredibly organic wine out of the palm tree. And mm. uh, you have to navigate to climb them, you know, with a vine. And uh, just vine around your waist. And you have, to have very incredibly strong legs and balance to climb the whole way up the tree to tap it. Because you have to tap it all the way at the front, at the top of the front. And the new front coming out. Very strong. has a lot of alcohol, but sweet and very natural. And uh, so it's very, uh, it's very famous in Nigeria. And I think even in Sierra Leone. Oh, for somewhere. sure. I've exactly. seen those guys. Yeah, Correct. So, so they now have cell phones. <laughs> now they have cell phones. <laughs> so, so in a way, you can see again where they can connect more business. You know, they have more. Uh. Right. Now, do I have to be a better human being? Not necessarily. I'm going back to that because now I can reach my customers before you reach your customers by being personable. You understand what I have a big personable, making the effort to reach out to people and talk to them. Now I don't have to. You, put out, you know how to advertise. You know, they come to you and you can sell your wine. You don't have to really uh, work as hard as before, right? Uh, in terms of developing yourself or uh, developing connections, now it's done for you by the phone. Yeah, and you actually so have to I mean. develop yeah. something probably new for human beings, whether wherever they are, Africa or wherever. You have to develop a willingness to tell a story that's always exciting, even when it's not. Exactly. <laughs> that's yeah, what, isn't yeah. that what marketing is? It's a spectacle, right? Exactly. You have spectacle. To create the spectacle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And we've lost the admiration or or the reverence for substance. Because spectacle now wins over substance. So that's actually a problem. Why is that a problem? Well, when, you, when we do that, Johnny, it's, um, it's almost like a, it's, a, it's a quick fix. If you want your sugar, if you want your dessert over the main course. Because there is something that makes us human or makes life on this earth for humans possible or enjoyable is inner stability, right? Mm -hmm. Inner stability is what makes you or a human being enjoy life on this planet earth because it is the only factor that leads directly to outer security. Inner stability leads to outer security. However, we have kind of lost that. We think we can get, we look for the peripheral security in money. Money can give you peripheral security. Guns can give you that. If I have a gun, I can protect my home and all this. But meanwhile, on the inside, you're scared, paranoid, you know, uh, <laughs> you're paranoid, delusional, uh, Unable to focus. Exactly. Government programs can give you that peripheral security. But the true sense of the word, outer security comes from inner stability. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we've kind of lost focus of that. So everybody, most of us are trained to focus on this outer uh, uh, 
learning to focus on this peripheral outer security. Right. So, and that's the big thing that has been lost in the so, modern world. So help us, because this is great. Yeah. You can, maybe the only one who can help us. I'll, I'll take your last beautiful statements as a type of African wisdom, but I see it too in all the old world. You see this simple wisdom. It, you, know, you find it in Greece on the islands. You can find it in the Georgian Republic. You can find it similar. But check this out. You lived in the United States and in yeah. Sweden, both kind of new worldy places. Do they look the same to you in terms of inner stability and outer security? Take that thesis and tell us how it goes in the States, that culture, and how we, are we pursuing inner stability? And then compare it to Sweden. Is it similar, different, or is it too hard to tell? No, it's very different. It's slightly different. I don't know if I said very different. It's different. In the States, um, if I may, I'm just going to be crass a little bit. You can see why people love the idea of having their guns, right? Because I think the gun gives me the outer security. But if I go back again, I'm going to repeat. The true outer security can only come from inner stability. If you do not have inner stability, you cannot have that. You can have peripheral. Now, that's, say I have a gun, I have my A-15 assault rifle, that's going to protect me and my family. Can it? Really? Yeah. So, and then if you come to Sweden, they don't own guns, but they believe a bit in the technology and they believe in their system, the government, to provide that for them. So that's where they govern their, their social security system and the government to provide that. Outer security. security. Yes. yes. Interesting. And then meanwhile, like we talked about, people are very depressed. From the weather, people are very depressed. From even outside the weather, there's a lot of, uh, uh, in the Scandinavia country, I mean, the social security system is incredible, quite good. But people are still depressed. But there's a lack of inner Because uh, that's what I said, that joy. inner stability is not there. I'm sorry, nothing really can help you. It's an immutable law of the universe, but we don't want to. We think we can get around it. But it's not a... So both cultures are after the outer security in different ways. One relies on the individual to achieve that outer security. The one relies on the state. How about the pursuit of the inner stability in both cultures? Do you see a difference or is it equally manifest? Are people equally ignoring it in both cultures? What's it look like? I, I would have, my answer would have been different a couple of years ago that I would say in the States, People are more open-minded to look for it. But the way I've seen uh, with this whole political scenario now, I realize I don't know the states as much as I do, or maybe it's just changing on me. Mm -hmm. uh, because there was something about the America that I knew, America that I came to in the 80s, early 80s, where people were more open, where people were more accepting. And uh, people were more positive in terms of how can things are going to be better. But I just kind of seem to have lost that America. Like, I don't see that. I'm looking at uh, what happened. I really don't recognize that in today's world. And I've only been in Sweden for eight years, so I'm only speaking from what I know in eight years. Here, people are more uh, rational, 
minded. You know what I mean? Like yeah, they're very mathematical in the way they think. Mm-hmm. They try to keep their feelings out of things. So <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, like, it's really quite cold. Just cold hearing you way. say it, yeah. is that even how is that possible? <laughs> you can say that, but you'll see. Yeah, for me too, it was. Uh, it took me time to have to adjust to it and accept it. Yeah, people are really very mathematical in their calculations. Wow. Things, yeah. So, Joe, this is just fascinating. I'm not even kidding. Like, I've got about 40 questions in my head and only four on the page, and the ones on the page are terrible compared to the ones you're making me think about in my head. So here's here's the do a restoration question. If there is something like old, forget old world, if there's something like wisdom, if there's something like something beautiful and transcendent that all of us have, but certain cultures or all cultures maybe, how do you get it back? Like, How do we get it back? Is that a thing you thought about? Maybe we don't have an answer. but No, no I thought about it. The thing is, uh, inner stability is directly, directly linked to the purpose of existence. So the only person that can have inner stability is somebody who is working with the purpose of existence. Keep going on that, working yeah. with the purpose of existence. Yes, inner stability, that's the only thing that gives you inner stability when you're connected to a purpose of existence. Um, to purpose, yes, yes, okay, yes. I see. So once, if you don't have that sense of purpose, you cannot have inner stability. So and here's the question that we can have. If we look at us, human beings and animals, right, or trees, the tree takes in our carbon dioxide and gives out oxygen for us to live. Now, the tree doesn't have a choice. It cannot choose. It just does that. The animals also help the, eco, you know, the ecosystem to balance it. The animals don't choose. You know, like a lion cannot choose to be a vegetarian. Right? It's just, that's what it does. Mm-hmm. But the human being, we are a step ahead. We have a mind. We live not strictly under the law of the mind. We're, sorry, we don't live any longer under strictly the law of universal existence. We also live under the law of the mind. You have to choose. When you make that choice, there are two questions to ask in life. What am I going to get out of life? Or what am I going to give back to life? Okay. Now, when you've crossed the sec- first question, I'm going to the second, what am I going to give, which is contribution? What can I contribute to life? And anybody who's really functioning from that perspective is likely to find inner stability. If you're still looking for what am I going to get out of life, it's tough to find inner stability. Because everybody's feels your like... enemy. Wow. Everything's your enemy. You're competing against everything. Right. It feels like it reminds me of the existentialist, really it reminds me most of Dostoevsky from the 19th century, where the freedom to have to choose that is a type of curse. The tree doesn't choose. The tree does as it's told in that sense, as it's, it, it's being dictates but we now have to sort of decide what our being is or something. And then we have to choose. There's all this crazy choice. Exactly. And that's, but that's our burden, right? Correct. That's, that's, but also that's our freedom, right? Tickets. Yeah. That's the joy too. Exactly. So. And so why do you think, hmm, 
So there has to be purpose. What is purpose from your sort of old world African point of view? Like what, what were you taught purpose was or what did the village teach or the elders? What was the purpose of your skin and bones? Yeah. The, the thing about it is like, uh, you, you cannot, we can all agree that everybody comes to this world with a certain talent, mm-hmm. right? I work with kids and you can see it when you deal with kids. Every child that comes out, that's a normal, they feel they're special because there's something they want to contribute. However, the world is getting more and more difficult to allow each other to contribute. They come and we take that away. We say, no, you fall in line. We're going to formulate you and you do this. You do that. You do that. So the whole purpose is for us to realize that we are co-creators, mm. right? We're contributing. So once you fall in line with that, you realize you really have anything. The world doesn't owe you anything. The world doesn't owe anybody anything. We're here to give back, not to take. But for me, I don't want to make that a rule. I mean, you get to a certain point, you figure that out. And if you haven't figured it out, I'm not interested in convincing anybody that's what it is, you know, because you can't, right? You have to get to a point where you realize, yes. And I really believe when you get to that point, you have the inner stability. And then you realize that money, guns, government programs, everything else is peripheral security. I'm not saying they're not important. They're peripheral. But the true, the core of, the inner, uh, of security comes from inner stability. And that's, and that's related to giving. That's related to giving. Is that how you acquire inner stability then so so for instance i won't go on and on but if someone tells me you know what you've got a uh, you're playing on our ball team you contribute 12 points a game we need you to be at 24 and then i think oh gosh how am i going to score 24 points a game when i'm a 20 a 12 point scorer and then my coach coaches me up mm-hmm. He helps because he designs plays that are different, or perhaps he says you got to work on your left hand so you can get to the rim with your left hand. We're going to work on this. Like there's a plan. So if you're, if you're positing, which I think you are, and I am too, that there is a way to get inner stability. What's the playbook look like? It's, it's giving, right? Yeah. It's giving, you know, there's something that we don't, to general in society anymore is reflection, right? Mm. It goes back to reflection. When we said take five minutes a day, every day, it's not to, to reflect. Uh, and the mind, right? The human mind has the reflective power of the water, right? When the water is calm, if you look at it, you see yourself, right? So you see it. It's truth. But blow a little wind in it, then you can't see anything. It gets out. Uh, you know, it gets distorted when, the, when it's windy. Now, can you imagine when there's a storm, when there's a hurricane? Can you look and see anything in the ocean? Nothing. It's almost like our mind has become a hurricane, the lifestyle we live. So you can't even reflect any more reality. This is gone. We, we can learn see. to calm down. Yeah, exactly. Calm down so the mind can become still like a water. We will see so much reality. We don't even need a coach to coach yourself. We'll know what to do. You understand? We know what to do because it's there in us. And if I may go, uh, 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 I think it's Psalm 46. I don't remember the verse. Psalm 46. Mm-hmm. 
Says, be still and know that I am God. So that's a pretty heavy statement if you really look at it. Yeah, be still. Because the point now is even the people that pray, everybody tells God what to do. Right? <laughs> yeah. They sit and tell God what to do. I don't care what, what about be still? That's what it says. So that's, the, uh, that's the truest yeah. thing. Right. So in the true sense of it, a true prayer is actually listening. It's not saying anything at all. Stillness. It's stillness. That's Quiet. the true prayer of the word, yeah. Well, again, this goes back. So, wow, again, 20 thoughts. But so one thing that I remember from really all of my time in West Africa, but this can apply also to Guatemala, my environment, Joe, in many instances was without electricity and running water. So guess what? I was forced into silence. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. I didn't really like it, but right. then I but then I acquired it. Yeah. And then it was great. Then I was able to do what you just said, see. Some of the seeing I don't like, like, oh gosh. I looked into the pool and saw like a fat dude or a, an angry guy or whatever, but I could see and there was beauty, but in some ways the environment forced me into that, that process of repentance, or if you want to call it enlightenment or whatever it is. But today, I mean, my chicks who I love, my daughters, I don't know if their phone is ever not in their hand. And me too. I shouldn't even throw them under the bus. I'll throw myself under the bus. So is it unlocking? Would, would, would your old world wisdom say, yep, you got to do something like put the phone down? But I, I like what you said. You don't want to tell people because I get it. That's not really the way to, to, to peace. But what do you do? You don't have kids. No, I, I don't. You have but, kids. No, I don't Anyways. have kids on it. But I'll, I'll tell you this one simple exercise, yeah, that is, I find very effective. It works for me. Is start with five minutes every day. Even if you live in the city, it doesn't matter where you live. Take five minutes. Usually in the morning is better. So you do anything. Just breathe. Don't look at anything else. Now, it's the most important part of these five minutes is actually by your breathing. Because your mind is going to go crazy. Your mind is going to try to solve all the problems for the day. It's going to think about what it needs to do. It's going to and if you try to control it, it becomes a problem. But just calm down <laughs> and start to breathe slower, slowly. Every, the average human being breathes 18 times per minute, the average human being. Now, if I'm stressed out, I'll breathe more frequently. And if I'm really calm, I'll breathe less. Try to breathe less, 16 times a minute. Now, it depends on your health condition. You can make it less, less, but practice breathing slowly for that five minutes or 10 minutes. The same thing, our breath, actually, what it does, it disconnects your mind from survival to going into pure existence. Because mm -hmm. very often, we live our day, I mean, have you seen a lion that just chased an animal and killed it, right? Mm -hmm. How does he breathe? He's going like, <laughs> Yes, that's survival. Anytime you're in survival, anytime you're angry, your breath is shallow. You're breathing fast. 
Ah, you're actually leaving life in that way. You're, you're getting closer to not your normal state. Exactly. So the breath has a lot to do with it. But if you can learn just to breathe slowly, what it does is frees the mind away from the survival mentality to actually come in close to your heart, if I may just say that. Because otherwise, we're so far from our hearts. Hmm. That it's hard you know, yeah, to really see, you know, and this is, we're talking about getting the mind to calm down so you can reflect reality. Wow. So in the, in my tradition, in my faith, in the Orthodox Christian tradition, there's a phrase, take your mind and put it into your heart. And that's actually one of the ideas of the prayer, the Jesus prayer is to move the mind into the heart. That's interesting. That's right. Yeah. I didn't know that, but I'm glad you're sharing that. So there's a, the mind into the heart idea, which, you know, I know from practice or else from being taught about this, you know, too, mm-hmm. I think for a, from a purely biological standpoint, or like if just, um, you know, a rational standpoint, or I would say a modern new world scientific perspective that, what does that even mean? Right? Like, does it, yeah. does it have meaning? Well, that's, it, it, it does because that's what is, you know, Take a, you know, take a chill pill because how do we do it today? We take a pill. Do you understand? Oh, yeah, that's what people do. But the pill doesn't do the same thing, right? It only creates, again, like I said, peripheral idea because have you seen all the kids that they give all this riddling? Oh, goodness. It's incredible. Correct. Yeah, because what it does is it shuts them down. But Joe, the there are schools gone. now. The, the mind doesn't go anywhere. That's why it's just gone. It's out there in space. Instead of going to the heart. They dulled it, right? They actually numbed it. Exactly. Joe, there are whole schools in the United States that have more than 50% of their student population on some kind of pill. Doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. That's a lot, though. It's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. I mean, it's disturbing, but are you surprised? I mean, it doesn't surprise me. It saddens me very much, but... It it's consistent with the theme we're talking about, which is yeah. stillness and the ability to inner stability, right? Yeah. Can you can we take this is a bit of a left turn, but maybe not, because I know you as a philosopher, you'll be able to link it back together. But I know a, we've been talking a lot in this country in America about race. Mm-hmm. So you're you're a black guy, whatever that is. I'm a white guy, whatever <laughs> that is. <laughs> fascinated with this um, because it's really relevant. So I'm just going to give you an experience that I shared with my wife traveling to West Africa. As you know, you know, Helen, she, she's a black woman born here in the States in New York city. When we got there, there was a moment when she was quote home <laughs> But then all of the West Africans, we were in Mali and then Ghana, your neck of the woods. We went right yeah. through up to Togo, almost into Nigeria, wow. you know, and, and so there was this moment of inner stability, which was, I wouldn't say my wife was searching. She never searched that way, but we both were like, Oh, what are they going to say about this? And in some ways, a black woman, Helen, and many black folks listened to this was about to get an answer about some sort of inner stability, like, who am I? And I'm telling you, every time we ask the question, 
West Africans were like, yeah, I don't know. You probably lost or something. <laughs> they were not, it was not a feeling moment. Like, Oh, let me, let me talk to you about who you are. It was like, I don't know. Probably your, your chief lost a war or maybe, I don't know. You owed some debt. And my wife was like, Whoa, Oh, that's not what I expected. Right. What would you say about that? What would you say to Americans, white and black about, that story and inner stability and outer security, are they related somehow? I think they're related, but what do you think about that story from your perspective as a guy who's lived both continents and everywhere else? Oof, uh, this is a loaded question. And, uh, it is loaded. Uh, it is loaded, yes. <laughs> there is some meaning about where you come from, but wow. Like, yes. What's your perspective on this? I, I think uh, I might say a mouthful and I, I might even offend some people, what I'm going to say, right? Here's where, if I may describe the African and the European centricism, what's the, yeah, what I find yeah. different, personally. Mm-hmm. The pure African concept, you know, if I go back to Africa, you know, when I grew up, there's such a security that we had and let's take away the European influence. There was a security Africans had, but it wasn't real. It wasn't yours. It belonged to the collective. It oh, wasn't yours. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that, if you go, if I go back to my village today, nobody refers to me as Joe. They can know my name is Joe, but they call me the son of my father. My dad's name is Innocent. They refer, it doesn't matter how old I am, Johnny, I'm 53 years old. They go, I'm way innocent. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, you see what I mean, right? So, and then even when my dad was alive, they would call my dad his dad's name. So you were never really you. Right. You're, right. Yeah, you belong to your father and then your father belongs to the collective. So that's a certain sense of security that comes from that. And... I will go back, for example, I was talking with a Swedish person. We're discussing something similar. And I said, okay, now the worst thing that can happen now, if something happens to me and I die or if I become broke, there's a place back in my village that I could go back to. They have to take me. I belong. Like That's that. where I'm from. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So if you can connect your blood to that, now no questions asked. Now, of course, they can insult the hell out of me. You know what I mean? They're going to say, why didn't you make money? But they're going to take you. <laughs> right? yeah, they're going to give you all kinds of grief, but they're going to take you. That's your home. But you have to identify that properly by blood. So that's one thing I felt that's gave Africans a strength, that sense of belonging, sense of connection. So when you were born, even it happened to me, when you're born, they take your umbilical cord, and they bury it in that ground. So they know that was your entrance, your point of entrance into this earth. So it's very mm. important. Yeah. So when that's buried, that means a lot to you. Some traditions, they plant a tree next to it. So you take care of that tree. So that tree connects you to Oh, wow. Family. Yeah, sure. Right. So but things like that give Africans a sense of security, but it's not individual. See what I mean? That's a difference. Yeah. When I came to the States... And then also in Sweden, people try to find their own individual inner stability. Like, who am I? 
You cannot go to Africa and ask who am I to think you're crazy. <laughs> I'm being honest. Yeah, they would really think you're crazy. Like, right. where's your dad? Where's your mom? That's who you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Who am I? Yeah, you're the son of. The, you're the like, daughter. what's wrong with him? <laughs> exactly. So you cannot ask that question. It doesn't apply in Africa at all. Because your lineage, going back to the ancestors, and that's where your security comes from. Uh, but here, we, in the West, no longer believes that your ancestors have anything to do with your life. They're done, they're gone. So it's basically like you're looking at the, at the uh, what's the Greek mythology, where you have the, the two brothers, Epimetheus and Prometheus. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. So because Prometheus was the forward thinking brother and Epimetheus was a dumb guy. Yeah. Okay. Backward thinking. Yeah. So, and I don't like to use the word dumb guy because people will misinterpret it. If you look at that, Epimetheus is almost the way Africans think. Africans find their ancestors more important than what's going to happen tomorrow. What my ancestors, they think the ancestors are smarter. The Europeans think the future generation is going to be smarter. Got it. They think their ancestors are stupid. But Africans think differently. We think their ancestors knew everything. They were wiser, were the ones. So those are the two really different uh, civilizations, uh, cultures that we, or life impulse that we're dealing with. Also a really good definition of old world, new world. That's really, exactly. you, you see that at the heart of all of these divisions between old world, new world. Correct. One looks That's back, one looks forward. That's exactly. So fun, yeah. Yes. So the Africans, they still look back. And that's why even to today, if you see Africans, or people not from the West, you don't leave your parents. You know what I mean? You still take care of your parents because they mean a lot. You can't just put them in a home and go off to work. Here, I mean, your parents get older, you send them off to home and go to work. They're done. It's your children and the next generation. Hmm. Africa reveres more. The and so is the African-American, they're caught. They're between two worlds right there. Exactly. That's a very good way to look at it, yes. Because the African-American, no matter how many years they've stayed in America, has not really quite become that, 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 that westernized. There's a part of them that still have that exactly. mentality, right? And so they never really make full transition to this uh, new impulse yeah. of thinking. Yeah. And they're not completely still connected to the old way of thinking. So really, really get caught in between. Uh, right, that makes sense. Yeah. And in some ways, they weren't allowed to become or, or, or go after what you call the new impulse or the new right. way of being. Yeah. They weren't allowed on some levels. And Correct. even when they were allowed, in some ways, they were leaving what they were right. against their will, too. What, it's a very difficult place to be. Yes. I tell you, though, if I can finish with Helen... It, this isn't. This is a a, a type of um, evangelical moment, a way to spread, a way to be. But you know her, yes, I know. And her. a lot of African Americans are this way. She just found her root in her faith. It really didn't matter in that sense, as you talked about purpose earlier. There was already a purpose both in her mind, in her heart, in her soul, wherever it was, about who she was and what she had to become. And so really the answer that they were giving her on the road, you know, between uh, Abidjan and, and, and Accra about what a slave was and what happened, it didn't matter. And it was like, yeah. At that point, it's like history in a book. It's not really relevant to her inner stability because she had already acquired 
another way of knowing who she was. That's interesting. Yes. And you know her, and that's how she acts. Like, I don't really care. <laughs> Slave, whatever. It's not important. <laughs> and you can't even trust whatever the narrative is if they're telling the, you know, the true story of what happened. You can't even trust them anyways because this is many yes. years past. Are they telling? It's been retold for 20 exactly. different reasons by 2,000 so. different people, yeah. Just to finish then, help us with this. Um, I'm not even going to do the test with you. Did you, did you hear what, the, you want to do the test? Let's finish yeah, with the, the test. Okay. What is the test? I was going to skip it, but it's our lightometer test. So okay. just to go over this in two seconds, it's a test to see where you line up on the old world, new world thought process. Are you thinking more like an old world person or more like a new world person? So I like to kid around that this is science. This was designed in a lab in Massachusetts Institute of Technology at MIT. It's not. It was designed by me and like two other dorks while we were having a, a scotch. But, I thought it was you and Noam Chomsky, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it was me, Noam Chomsky. That's right. And Richard Dawkins. We figured it okay, out together. Cool. Uh, this is a fun test to see where you land. Now, after this incredible interview, I think most people kind of know, but you might not. You might turn up in a weird spot on this test. So will you take it with me? Sure. <laughs> he just covered his face. <laughs> like, oh, Lord. So, Professor Joe, this is a test. Here's how it works. I'm going to ask you five questions. Yeah. And you didn't take this before, did you? No. So this is live. Yes. Five questions. Each question gets an answer of three two, one, or zero. Three, all the way in, zero, all the way out. Two, kind of in, one, kind of out. You ready? Sure. I'll record your answers, Joe. Please do. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, he has a look on his face like, how did I get involved in this? <laughs> in Sweden, <laughs> in the snow, in the lot. Yeah. Oh, you guys aren't having a lockdown. That's true. We, no. They're coming back here, by the way, brother. Here's your question. When you die, Joe, you really won't die all the way. It's more like you'll be asleep or in waiting for some type of next world. So when you die, you won't really die all the way. It's more like you'll be asleep or something or hard to say, but waiting for a next world of some sort. Three, all the way, two, probably, one, probably not, zero, that's dumb. Three. Three. Got it. I'll do. I'll record it for you. Second question: The best way to get to know you, Joe, is to talk to someone else about you. That that someone else could be your mom, your dad. It could be anybody. But the best way, the very best way to get to know you, is to ask someone else about you. Yeah, it could be a three or two. You want to do three or two? <laughs> 2.5? Well, because the reason why I just say uh, it could be a three or two depends on who I'm talking to. If it's a genuine person, yes, I agree. It's three. Okay. All right. We'll give you a three. Uh, when you carry a picture around, or maybe you put a picture in your house, the picture is of a person. That picture brings them closer to you actually brings the person closer to you. 
that picture has some sort of element in it that really has some sort of reality to it. That's a tough one. <laughs> or is it just ink on paper? It's, it's faking you out. Uh, that's a tough one. <clears throat> I can no, see it, it on does, your face. It does bring him. It does bring you closer. Even if I'm not the kind of person that puts pictures, but I know it does bring. So uh, not a zero. No, it's not a zero for sure. Three, two, one, zero. What's your it's, answer? Uh, it's not a zero, but I'm just trying to see to how much. I don't want to prejudice you with more of a conversation about it. But it's really yeah, a question no, about No, you don't. Image. But I'm just, I'm having a conversation, so I'm thinking out loud. Go ahead and talk out loud, too. You can't, exactly. We love to and hear what you're thinking out loud because um, it's weird that I don't have pictures of my family on the wall. But I'm quite close to them. You know, I think about them a lot. But I don't know why I choose not to put the pictures up. Hmm. My answer, what I'm struggling with, my answer, it's actually like a three or two, even if I don't do it. Ha! I love that. Yeah. So that's actually where I'm struggling with, yeah. So, well, you, we could talk about that. It's really interesting. Yeah, that's another reality, which is so. I'm called to do a lot of things: give away my wealth, uh, pray for the poor. I don't always do all that. It still could be good, though, <laughs> right. regardless of my activity. That's in the, how about this fourth question? Respect, respect. Mm -hmm. It isn't earned. It's owed by you or me, or whoever. It's owed to others. Respect yeah. isn't earned so much as it's owed by you to others. I agree. Three. Three. And the last question, uh, you, Joe, you hope and expect to take your parents and have them live with you as they get older and infirmed. I mean, that's a three. Three. Yeah. Joe, you may have scored the highest. In the old world. <laughs> so funny. It's so funny. No, I know I'm old world. Because I sure. weirdly think of you as a new world person. But, but not, I don't know how I say that to you. It's like you've lived in the new world and adapted to it. But check out your score. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> three plus three is six. Plus two is eight. Plus three is 11. Plus three is 14. You have scored. You and only one other person that I know. Now, other people have taken this that I don't know, but you scored a 14. You want to know what that qualifies you as? What does that qualify me A as? 15. A perfect score would have called you, you would have been the Charlemagne. That is the old world king from ancient Europe. <laughs> Full yeah, retro. Yeah. But you didn't get a 15. You don't drink from a goblet. Yeah. <laughs> 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 maybe that's a good thing but you are something we call the villager the high <laughs> villager 
That means the highest score you can get. And that is the old world is in your bones. There's a really good chance you hate malls for shopping. <laughs> Place, that is correct. <laughs> places like Algeria, Ethiopia, they roll out the red carpet for you. you fit, your Spotify includes really old school songs from chants and things you can barely pronounce. And, and like you love like ancient things and you wish there was more hierarchy in the world. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. No, the hierarchy parts, I don't, we don't have to have the hierarchy because I, I really love. Um, equality. I love equality where we can really appreciate each other because people get lost in this hierarchy. That's what but I every think. Other, make, other things you said actually adds up. You know, it does add up. It usually adds up. But I'll tell you this. I was, I wanted to give you that because I wasn't sure about you because you have these really cool new world concepts or maybe the vocabulary is new world, but you're describing old world ideas, inner stability. You, you know, there's this whole movement in the world right now to basically describe ancient spirituality using new ideas, Correct. or I should say new vocabulary. That's sometimes how I think of you. Hmm. Yes. You know, the thing about it, I don't know if we have to, uh, there are something that, what's his name, uh, Aldous Huxley said, right? Mm -hmm. The charm of history consists in the fact from age to age, nothing changes, yet everything is completely different. Okay. I just yep. did a video actually on that. Go so to his YouTube and see that. Exactly, go to YouTube. How this election, everything is going to be different, but nothing will change. Yeah. That's because... Right. We haven't really changed. We like to think we, we didn't change. Things are different, but we didn't change. Yeah, interesting. And the only time we change, that change is possible. I'm not going to say, yeah, change is possible. But change is an inner transformation, the triumph of spirit over substance. Right. Correct. So in that regard, so what I see myself with this and with this modern, the thing they've changed, they really haven't changed. They're just doing things differently. You haven't changed. And that's where we run into problems quite a bit because this idea would confuse different and change. Different and change are not the same thing. Interesting. Yeah. Different is to present another version of the same thing. But change is the triumph of spirit over substance. So, so do you think human is, beings are evolving? Like from We're not. That's what I'm saying. We're being deceived to tell that we're evolving when we've when we are not, we're doing things differently and we call that evolution. Got it. Can we evolve? Yes, we can evolve because, I mean, again, like Jonathan, I don't, like you said, this is where you caught me. You say I use a lot of modern. Okay. Because I can understand some people that don't want to go into religion because of the history of it or sure. not. But there is a lot of truth uh, or a lot of, I don't like to, maybe if I use that word truth, people question it. But there is a lot of validity to the word from the scriptures. Mm -hmm. There is God in humanity, right? God made man, yeah, in its image. So we, we are supposed to realize that. That's what we're not realizing. Right. So anybody that says, yeah, when you realize that, that's the height of human existence, to realize 
the God in us or to realize that you're the universe. You can use the modern way, whichever modern way you want to understand it. You know what I mean? That the universe exists in us, that the God exists in us. But so I, I try to align myself because I can understand when people don't believe anymore. I can see what happened when we got deceived, we got pulled this way, we got lied to. We don't, so therefore we start having doubts. So I can understand that. I can really identify with that. So maybe that's why I use modern language sometimes. Yeah. In things because I really want to uh, make everybody understand or to identify with the different perspectives that is out there. But for me, yes, if old school, nothing has changed really. We, whoever we are from back then, that's who we still are. But you don't identify as, I don't like that word, you don't believe in, say, Muslim tenets, or you don't think of yourself as a Christian, or you do, or you don't, or is it both and? Here's what I would say. You know, when you hear the truth, right? What is something that is the truth? You know it's the truth because it resonates in you. Will you agree with me on that? Something resonates for sure that makes you think, I need to pay attention to this. Yeah. Correct. Now, unless you're completely cut off from your heart, but anybody who's in touch with your heart, if you Uh hear Yeah, but that's a really important disclaimer. Because Correct. you've mentioned earlier in this conversation, people are cut off from their heart, yes. which means it makes it hard for them to actually recognize the truth if there is Correct. such a thing. Yeah, yes. right? So that's why I understand why we don't recognize it very often today. Yeah. Right. But if we can quiet that mind, so it's not like a raging storm, like a hurricane, so it can reflect. If you hear a truth, it doesn't really matter because it's not even important to you anymore who's saying it because it will resonate inside of you. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But now we're not even interested in that anymore. We're interested in who said it. Uh, it came from that. Ah, uh, no, it's not true. I don't believe in that. So it becomes about the source. Mm, that's we know exactly. When we're really connected to our heart, we know the truth when you hear it. You know it when you hear it. But uh, is the mind quiet enough to connect to the heart? Like you said, is the mind connected to the heart? If the mind is connected to the heart, it's the truth. And if it's not, then it doesn't. doesn't really well, Okay, you did it, man. You came on Watar. Why are we talking about rabbits? You sat down, and your philosophical mind it really gave us all a, a lot to think about. Will you come back? Johnny, I would love to. Hey. <laughs> I would love to, brother. You know, that it's been a long time, you know. Yeah, we sit and... Uh, oh, yeah. Joe is my... Yeah, it's been a long time we sit and... First friend. Big for reason on the, you know... Yeah, we used to sit around. This is what we did. Yeah. Good to Joe's been to many KP tables. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Joe is a star at a KP table giving toasts. So. Oh, Johnny, you're the man. You're the man. But it was just such an honor because I learned a lot you know, from that. I was blessed Same. from being part of that. And that's uh, really a tradition or a culture or something that I wish you could uh, export more to a lot of people. People, people can use that because the few we're, friends that I had the chance to bring to never forgot that. Do you remember the friends from Switzerland, Gagi Majus? Do you remember? Oh, yeah, Ma. I told I can still see them sitting in the corner. They talk about it still, right? Exactly, till today, they still remember it. That's like 15 years ago. Exactly, Gags Paulette, as everybody that I brought to you, nobody ever forgets that, you know. So, because that's what we long for in a stability, right? That gives us in a stability connecting to other people, and yeah, so that's what we long for. We're going to put these links on our podcast so people can link on it. If you're interested in hearing more from Joe, 
at his website, his YouTube channel. Joe, man, um, gosh, thanks for all that. That was fantastic. Um, we'll see you next time, Joe. Come on soon. Yeah, and thank you. I look forward to it, brother Johnny. Remember last. <laughs> <laughs> Joe O bringing the hardware. Joe Shenny's Gaggy Marjos to you. You're coming back. We got to hear from you now and then. On Watar, why are we talking about rabbits? It's this podcast produced by First Things Foundations that tries to it, do heavy things lightly. And we do that so that you can get to know us because we're First Things Foundation. That's the producer of this particular podcast. We give our lives for two years to go and work with local impresarios, local change makers, and help them build their best ideas into reality. That's our way of giving to others. Share this podcast, Watar. Why are we talking about rabbits with friends, relatives? Share it with your neighbor, with the, the, the poor UPS guys, these FedEx people that are running around like crazy in the lockdowns. Share it. Because your love for us allows us to serve others. Nakvamdis, hasta luego, kambufo, au revoir. Check you later. Peace out. Doom, 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 doom,